so much. What a great reminder and a great truth uh, that when Jesus was on the cross, by the way, um, all your sins were future when Jesus died on the cross. That's significant, amen? And uh, the book of 1 John teaches us that if we, I say we, that those that are saved, uh, if we say we have no sin, in other words, there are some that believe that now that they're saved that they don't sin anymore. Uh, but John makes that clear that uh, that certainly cannot be true, that that's actually a lie. Uh, is the word, He uses the word lie. Truth is not in them. Uh, so what I'm saying is, is that uh, Jesus not only has died for the sins that you've already committed, but he's also died for those sins that you haven't committed yet. And that's just something that's hard for the human mind to fathom, isn't it? Uh, but it's true, and I praise the Lord for it. By the way, if that weren't true, we would all be doomed... We might as well just eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. And uh, so I praise the Lord for God's uh, unending grace and mercy that he shows. And I want to preach about that. You know, uh, preachers have different uh, philosophies on sermons and considering if it's a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, a Wednesday night. And, and I'm in that boat, I suppose. Uh, but I think sometimes we can get so uh, compartmentalized that we can sometimes uh, hinder the Spirit of God. And uh, this morning, I want to preach a salvation message to you. And uh, uh, I just think that it's important. Uh, you say, well, preacher, I'm saved. Well, that's all right. You just go ahead and listen. Amen. Uh, I tell you what, nothing gets me more excited than hearing about the grace of God. Uh, because it reminds me uh, of when I got saved. And uh, so I praise the Lord for that. And any time the Word of God is preached, it can benefit you, whether saved or lost. Uh, but this is a salvation message this morning. I mentioned this morning that this is one of my, this is a parable, meaning it's a, uh, it's a story that God used to, to show a truth. It's not necessarily something that happened historically. Many things in the Bible did happen historically. We looked at the woman at the well for Sunday school. Uh, that did happen historically, but this is a parable, but certainly it teaches a great, great truth, and it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, uh, most of you know that I got saved a little later in life, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I did a lot of what a lot of lost people do, and uh, so I understand uh, what sin is, and I understand, uh, you know, about salvation, and uh, praise the Lord that he saved an old wretch like me, uh, now, don't get me wrong, I'm the worst Christian I know. I am, uh, and uh, most of you have heard me say that a lot because I only know my own heart. I don't know yours, okay? Uh, but uh, I just want to thank the Lord uh, today. The title of the message is this, Only a Bad Man Can Be Justified. And I'll explain what I mean by that. We kind of hit on that in Sunday school this morning. Some of you may already know. But I'm going to ask you, if you will, if you're physically able, uh, if you're not, I certainly understand, but if you're physically able to stand with me in reverence uh, to the reading of the Word of God. We're there in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. I don't know if I told you that or not yet, so I'll give you another second or two to find that. But go ahead and stand with me if you're physically able. Luke chapter 18. We're going to begin with verse 9. Give you a few more seconds there uh, to find that. And uh, so just listen very carefully here and uh, at this story. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. Look at uh, Luke 18, beginning with verse 9. And he, that is Jesus, spake this parable unto certain... Now notice this, the reason for this parable. Which those which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. 
Here at Central Calvary Baptist Church, we preach because the Bible teaches, I think, emphatically, we're not saved by works. We're not saved by religious things. We're saved by the grace of God. We access that grace through faith. But I believe that even today, there are certain people that are trusting in their righteousness, trusting in the good things they do as far as making heaven their home. So that's what this parable is about. And here's the parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. Most of us know the significance of a publican. They were Jews that worked for the Roman government. These were the low of the lows. Uh, they were traitors and, and often uh, very immoral. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood, and so here's the Pharisee, the religious elite, if you will, stood, prayed thus within himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. And he goes on to talk about all the religious things that he does. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off, to notice he's a little different. He would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So there's the story. Now here's the lesson Jesus teaches us. Verse 14, I tell you, this man, that is that publican that he's talking about, went down to his house justified rather than the other. Now, we're justified for today's sake. Understand that we're talking about being saved, amen? We're talking about belonging. We're talking about being a child of God. Went, one went away, the bad man, if you will, went away right with God. The good man, the Pharisee, if you will, he went away not right with God. And that's important to understand. He says for, in the last part of verse 14, for everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching of the word of God this morning. Pray that you'll speak to hearts in a mighty and powerful way. Father, help us. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Thank you for standing with me there. And uh, verse 1 really reveals, or not verse 1, but verse 9, or 10 rather, teaches us that there are some that, that think they are right with God but are not. And we might think of the kingdom of heaven parables in Matthew chapter 13. certainly teaches that. Uh, and certainly one of the reasons for that is, as I mentioned, that there are a lot of people that are trusting in their goodness. They're, they're trusting in themselves. They're trusting in some righteous things they have done to make heaven their home. Uh, but God is teaching us this morning, Jesus teaching even 2,000 years ago, that, that a self-righteous person, another one, somebody, and we're not talking about whether... They're, they're really not good or not, but anybody that is trusting in the goodness that they might have, if that's what they're trusting in to get them to heaven, God says, not this preacher, but God says they're not saved. They're trusting in the wrong thing. And we'll explore this and find out why. So Jesus is really painting a picture of, of contradiction. And I say that because, you know, God's ways are certainly not man's ways. Aren't you glad? Uh, and, 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 and the thing is, is that that we, we have these, we talk about this in Sunday school, these preconceived notions sometimes. And, and, and God will often, he'll paint a picture with the Bible or through a message that really just kind of blows us away sometimes as a human being. And, and there's a contradiction there. In other words, it's a contradiction in light of how I might see things. You know, well, I see it this way, but God says this. And, and sometimes we have a hard time reconciling that. Let me just fast forward here a little bit and just, just let me help you here a little bit if that's the case. Uh, God's right and you're wrong. 
just, you know. And I know your life experiences might teach you something else. And, you know, I know people will let you down and all that. But remember, God is always right. You're always wrong. Hey, listen, I, I need the truth. I don't need my feelings. You know, sometimes my feelings are right, but most of the time they're not. Right? So I need God's truth. So just a little, little parenthetical information there. And so Jesus paints this contradiction, and, and uh, in this parable we find a, what we would consider a Pharisee, we'll talk about this a little bit, a good man that was not fit for heaven, but a man, that a bad man, a publican, that left fit for heaven. Uh, a good man was lost, uh, a bad man got saved, uh, and again, that's the title of the message, only a bad man, only a bad person, we might say, uh, can get saved, and what I mean by that is, is it's you know that is uh, those who realize that they are sinners, those that realize they might have some good things, but they realize compared to the righteousness of God, that the best thing I have is like filthy rags. Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? And so that's what I mean, that only a bad man can be saved. So let's talk about these individuals. First, let's take a look at, at the, the, the good man, if you will. And what I mean by good man is, is probably how most of us in here today would probably see the average Pharisee. Now, we have the Word of God. We know their run-ins with the Lord. So, so our view of the Pharisee is, is certainly influenced by what we read about them. But in that day, Pharisees weren't necessarily, humanly speaking, evil people. I mean... You know, certainly their, their hearts weren't right with God, but uh, what I'm saying is, is that certainly they were the, the enemy of Christ in, in many ways, uh, but as far as morals go and, and living righteously and zealously for God, even in many ways, uh, many people in our eyes today would say, there's a pretty good old boy. You know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a nice, you know, that's a nice guy. You know, he's, uh, he, you know, he, he says things, he looks the look, he, you know, hey, he's, he's somebody I wouldn't mind having for, for a neighbor. We think of uh, Saul of Tarsus. Now, uh, he, he would be saved, but sometimes we forget that not only was, was Saul, who later became Paul, not only was he a Pharisee, but he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And, uh, uh, and, and uh, you know, now he, he, came to a point in his life where he got saved, and he's seen that as, as, as evil, uh, a chief sinner even. But Paul would describe himself when given the opportunity was as a Pharisee who walked according to the perfect manner of the law and how he was zealous for God. I mean, isn't that what we want? People that are, that are walking uh, for, for Jesus, amen? People that are doing what the Bible says and people that are zealous for God, isn't that what we want, amen? So we would look at somebody like that and go, yeah, there's, there's a good guy. Okay, Paul says, I was one of those. And again, this was a parable. I want you to understand that this was a parable, but, but again, it certainly uh, rang true in that day, certainly could ring true today. Um, we have no reason to believe that Jesus was making this particular Pharisee in his parable somebody that was evil per se. Um, again, he very well could have been a, a good man. As I mentioned, a good neighbor, uh, honest, hardworking, uh, uh, maybe very moral in, in many ways. Uh, in other words, today he, he went to church and he prayed and uh, he didn't uh, uh, cheat on his spouse. Uh, he certainly was an extortioner. Uh, he fasts. Uh, uh, he ties. Uh, again, a good husband, a good father, a good friend, you know, neighbor. And we would say, now there's a good man because all these things that he was doing. 
But how did, most importantly, it's not how we see people, but most importantly, how God sees people. I might even say how God sees you today. So how did God see this, uh, again, quote-unquote good man? Well, it reveals here that God saw him lost. <laughs> God saw this man, again, not justified. That was not right with God. A man that... Uh, when we're looking at this, uh, you know, as far as being saved, this would be a man that was on his way to hell. Amen. A good man that who was not justified. Now, in our way of thinking, that just that's hard to reconcile. It's hard for us to to maybe understand that and to get a hold of that. We might ask the question, you know, how how could how could this be? How could something like that happen? And and really, Jesus is describing the, the real estate, of, uh, particularly in that day, of many of the Pharisees. He talks about it. We're not going to turn there. But in Matthew chapter 23, uh, he says of them that they are like a cup or platter, not necessarily how we would see a cup of platter, but that they're clean on the outside. They look good on the inside, but they're still dirty on the inside. He even likened them to, to sepulchers uh, that have been whitewashed, if you will, on the outside cleaned up, but inside they're full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. That's how he described the Pharisee. They look good on the outside, but, but they weren't right with God. Matter of fact, he said, uh, I think about seven times, Woe unto you! That's how he would, he would address the Pharisees. Uh, again, uh, man saw these as, as good men, but God says, Woe unto you! Amen. Now again, folks, uh, I think we need to be more interested in what God thinks about us than what man thinks about us, right? Especially when it comes to heaven and hell. And so my point is, is this, as far as human beings were concerned, this good man was trusting in his goodness for heaven. By the way, that's, that's, that's the wicked sin. Some people say, preacher, uh, you know, I understand the dispensation of grace. and We live on this side of eternity, but what's the unpardonable sin? Well, I'll tell you what the unpardonable sin is. Unbelief. It's unbelief. Hey, if you don't believe Jesus of the Bible, you don't believe that you're a sinner, you don't believe in a heaven and hell, you don't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that and that only is keeping you from being saved today. It's unbelief. Uh, and not believing in the cross of Calvary is the worst sin ever. Think about it. And so again, it's unbelief. That's the unpardonable sin. Uh, and so this good man, that's what makes this so bad. You know, it's why God would say, Woe unto you, because you're trusting in your goodness for heaven. And certainly the Bible will teach us, as our, our title alludes to, that only bad men, bad men, women, and boys, and girls, if you will, can get saved. And what I mean by that is those who realize that. And I would hope that there's no one in here today that is trusting in their goodness for heaven. I hope that you're not trusting in, in a, a baptism that saved you or belonging to a certain denomination or to a church. I hope that if you say that you're saved is because there came a time in your life when you realized that you were a sinner and your only way to miss heaven was to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. In other words, I'm accepting what He paid for on my behalf on the cross of Calvary. Amen. And if you, think that your sal if you think that your salvation is because you got baptized or because you uh, uh, signed some piece of paper or whatever, I'm just telling you, that's not salvation. You will not find that in the New Testament. It's important. And you're still lost in your sin. You're still trusting in your goodness. And I hope no one in here 
uh, is trusting in their goodness for heaven. I'm not saying that you're not a good person, but <laughs> that don't get you to heaven. You know, by their own admission, I, I've, I've got loved ones who, who say, look, I'm not a Christian, I, I, I don't believe in all that. But they are some of the most honest, hard-working people that I know, but they're lost. By their own admission, I know they're lost. And we might think of, you know, a, a soldier perhaps, or a fireman, or a policeman who served their community, who put their life on the line, and maybe even gave their life in the line of duty. Wouldn't it be nice? I mean... If those types of people would go to heaven, and I've heard people say that before. Well, I know they had to make heaven their home. And I hope they did. I'm not saying they didn't. But listen, they didn't go to heaven because they did something great. You understand what I'm saying? Hey, listen, only a bad man could be saved. We've got to understand that. Wouldn't it be nice if a, if a, if a, a, a kind father and mother who, who did raise a good family and worked hard all their lives, had ethics and were honest and upright citizens, amen, you know, soldiers, firemen, good people, wouldn't it be nice if all such people made heaven their home? That would be nice. But the truth is, people don't go to heaven for such things. <laughs> That's not what the Bible teaches at all. Because in reality, the only righteousness that gets a person to heaven is the righteousness of Christ and not their own. And we access His righteousness, not our own, through faith. And this is how God sees a self-righteous man. A self-righteous man or woman today is somebody that is trusting in themselves to make heaven their home and not God. And Jesus is teaching us here that a good man can go to hell and a bad man can go to heaven. Amen. This is a wonderful thought, uh, because in case you haven't figured it out, we're all bad men and women. <laughs> um, and that is where a lot of good men and women, I believe, are deceived today. Really, the whole point to this message, if you don't get anything else out of this, is until we see ourselves a sinner... Till we see ourselves, that's what I mean by a bad person. We will never be able to get to that point of repentance, and we will die in our sin. I, I want you to understand that only a bad person can be saved. Only somebody that sees themselves lost and separated from God can be saved. Think about it. We cannot trust in ourselves in any form or fashion, in any way, except all by the grace of God. You know, the bad man, let's talk about him. I uh, talked a little bit more there, and I wanted to about uh, the, the good man. Uh, look at verse 13. Let's get another picture of him here. Luke uh, 18, verse 13. The publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, this man really understood something the good man did not. You know, the character traits of a publican, again, they were really the worst of the worst. I explained why there. They were part of a corrupt system. I mean, really today we would call this organized crime. I mean, that's really what it was. I mean, they, they, they were sanctioned in this case by the government, by leaders to, to take stuff that wasn't theirs. And, and, and this, you know, these types of men, historically, they teach us, they didn't really have a moral compass, if you will. One had to be pretty low to even become a publican. I mean, they, they already had issues before they became a publican. And, and uh, the Pharisee, no doubt, in this parable, but it does more likely accurately describe publicans of that day. They, they, they were awful people. 
as far as the world was concerned, they, they were awful people. And certainly, even as God was concerned, make no mistake, God wasn't pleased with that. Uh, but certainly, we have an accurate description of that. The publican, indeed, was, was the opposite of the Pharisee. The publican certainly would never go to church. Uh, he certainly wasn't honest. I mean, his whole business was all about extortion. I mean, he, was not, he wasn't honest. He, he wasn't going to work hard. Uh, certainly, he wasn't praying. He wasn't fasting. You know, those types of things. I, I'm sure his lifestyle... Uh, you know, we're assuming some things here, but understanding the thug life, if you will, uh, that type of lifestyle, usually, you know, you're not going to be a good family man, amen? Probably not going to be faithful to your wife. You're not going to take care of your kids. This is somebody that really had no true friends because he would sell out his own mom for a buck. I mean, he, hey, listen, he'd stab any, anybody in the back to make a, to make a, to make a little money. That's, that's the character uh, of, a, of a public in, uh, in that day. He certainly wasn't the type of guy you would want living next door to you. You know, I would rather have the Pharisee. But again, we want to see this how God sees it, not us. And so just like we could say the Pharisee was a good man based on what we think and how we see things, certainly the publican was a very bad man. By our own human standards, the Pharisee, we would think, well, he would deserve to go to heaven. The publican deserved hell. Yet God says just the opposite happened. The publican, the bad guy, not the Pharisee, the good guy, but the public and the bad guy, the Bible says, went down to his house justifying. He was right with God. And the Pharisee went home lost and undone, hell-bound. Now again, we say, how could a good man go to hell and a bad man go to heaven? Preacher, I, just, I don't understand that. Only a bad man can go to heaven. That just doesn't register with me. Well, let's... Let's talk about this here just a little bit. Why the bad man went away justified, the good man didn't. And really, it's very simple. The bad man confessed his sin. The good man did not. You know, there, there are some, I, I was picking on Brother Vernon a while ago. Now, I'm like Brother Vernon. I, I hate going to a doctor. The only thing I hate worse going to the doctor is going to the dentist. Okay, But uh, there are people out there that are truly sick, that need a doctor. But they'll say, oh, I'm okay. I'm not sick. Uh, they're truly sick. They're truly unhealthy. But they do not believe that they are sick. I'm all right. And they won't go to the doctor. And unfortunately, bad things happen because of that. Now, in the same way, no one, listen now, in the same way, no one will ever get saved until they realize they're lost. That, that's the point of all this. There's a lot of people that are considering religious things. Certainly living a religious life is probably better than living like an outlaw. You know, uh, you know hey, being, I mean, being around people that are you know, moral and you know, not trying to rob me and take advantage of me, certainly that, that's a better lifestyle. You know, we're not saying that. But again, that's not necessarily salvation. That's not realizing that you're a sinner that needs to be saved. That's, that's not salvation. So no one will ever get saved till they realize they're lost. No one will ever come to Christ for forgiveness if they feel they have not offended God. And I've had people say this before. I haven't ever done anything to God. Why would God send me to hell? I've never done nothing to Him. Now there's somebody who don't understand. Uh, there's somebody that is lost. 
you know, uh, you know, again, he who does not see himself a sinner will not confess that he is a sinner. And the Bible tells us that that is certainly uh, what we need to understand if we're to call upon the mercy of God. The bad man in this case, he certainly saw himself a sinner and he confessed it. He wouldn't even lift up his eyes. He certainly understood it. You know, I was thinking about this this morning. I, I believe that this is dear to God's heart. In other words, it may not seem like it to us, but I think that it is dear to God's heart that second, that moment, a bad man realizes he is bad and he admits it. I liken it as a, as a mother or a father that holds their newborn for the first time with the tears of joy and excitement. I believe the father looks upon a bad man who honestly confesses his sin. Woo! Amen. And you ought to be glad about that. If you're saved, you were a bad person and God saved you. And I believe that, and, and again, because that is, that is the, the, the process, if you will, of, of being saved. Now, let's be clear, I, I, I believe this, that, that God would have rejoiced the same had the good man done the same. You know, I, I believe God would have, would have rejoiced uh, because in the eyes of God, they were both equally guilty. They were both lost. They really, in the eyes of God, they were both bad men. They were both bad men, if you will. Both could have went away justified, but in this case, only the bad man went away justified because he saw himself as bad. And until the good man saw himself as the bad man and he confessed his sin, instead of trusting in himself, he would remain lost. Even a good man, but he would remain lost. And I hope this is sinking in. The bad man not only confessed, but he also repented. There are some who really think they are doing something when they say, oh, this is what a lot of people think repentance is. Oh, I, I know I'm no good. I know I'm a sinner. I, I know I'm no good. I know I've lived a terrible life. I know I'm out of the will of God. Boy, they'll put on a good show. But the problem with all that is they may know that, but they have no desire to change. <laughs> now stay with me. Stay with me. In other words, you know, uh, they're sorry... Again, maybe I mentioned a while ago, sorry for the situation they're in. Sorry that their life is a mess. But I want you to understand, that's not biblical salvation, repentance. Again, we're sorry about the situation we're in. We might even be sorry how we've treated another, but are we sorry that we've offended a holy and righteous and perfect God? That's the offense, amen? That, listen, the reason you have offended others, the reason that your life is a mess, the reason you find yourself in this, this terrible situation and circumstance in life, listen, those are symptoms because you're not right with God and you need to be saved from your sin, amen? Boy, I'd like to got an amen on that one. I just, I just preached my heart out up here. It's flat! Help me out a little bit, Amen? Just fake it till you make it. When we repent biblically, I just want you to understand, we're not saved by works. Please don't misunderstand me here. As the book of 1 John teaches us, we're, we're, we're still sinners, saved by grace. But I believe 
a lot of Baptists are missing this repentance thing, and, and I get it because it's been twisted into stuff that it isn't. But I want you to understand that when somebody gets saved, there's a change in their life. It may not be the same for everybody, but there's a change in their life. Do you know what repent really means? I mean, we make this big deal out of repentance. We might think of ourselves sitting in this little booth, you know, telling some guy, you know, slide the window open and repent. That, that's not repentance. You never find that in the Bible. Repentance, basically, one or two definitions. I'll give you one. Repentance is saying, God, you're right, I'm wrong. Okay? But repentance means to turn around. I'm going in this direction in my life. This is wrong. And I'm turning around, and I'm going in the other direction. That's what repentance is. There's no magical formula, no magical words. It's a change of heart. It's a change of mind. And it's realizing that, hey, I'm a sinner. And that my religious works are just that. They're just religious works. And, and I, I'm repenting. I, I am confessing that I am a sinner. And I'm asking Jesus Christ to forgive me my sins. Hey, listen, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to know that. I think we all know that we're sinners, right? And so, again, that's just a simple definition of, of what biblical repentance is. You know, there was another publican that was one of the twelve. Well, we know him as Matthew, but his name is Levi. Matthew, the gospel writer, he was a publican. And he repented. He got up from his table and he turned and he went in the opposite direction and forsook all of that. He repented! And that's all God's asking us to do today. A publican who liked this bad man, that is Levi, he walked away from all that. He was a publican no more because he repented of it. And as we begin to see the plan of salvation emerge here, and I'm almost done, I want us to look at one other thing that the bad man did that the good man did not do. And I think this is important as well. The bad man asked for mercy. Oh, aren't you glad for the mercy of God? What is mercy? And we might get grace confused with mercy. They're close to the same. But mercy is not getting what I deserve. Not getting hell. That's what I deserve. I deserved to be hung on a cross, not Jesus. But God showed mercy and did not give me what I deserve. Grace, on the other hand, similar, but it's getting what I don't deserve. That is salvation. How sad it is that an old sinner far from God knew more about God's mercy than that religious expert did. And I think there's a lot of people in the world like that today. Um, they, they are religious. They are good. But the bad man knew he was guilty. And he truly desired to change his life. He knew without the mercy of God, though, that that would not happen. He understood that. And again, we begin to see what we need to understand about salvation. You see, folks, it's not just, and I want, again, I, I hesitate to say this, but, but just bear with me. Don't shut me off when I say this, but keep listening. It's not about us accepting Christ, but Christ accepting us. Now, listen, He will save whosoever will. Amen? Amen. And we don't believe what some believe, Calvinists, that He created some for hell and some for heaven. The Bible makes it clear that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Didn't the Bible tell us in 1 Peter that he wishes none would perish? Amen. So listen, anybody can be saved. That's not what we're talking about. 
Not everybody will, but anybody can. But what I'm trying to get you to understand, you have to come to God on His grounds. Amen. And I think that's so important to, to understand. He will say for whosoever will, that is confessing, repenting, asking for forgiveness. That's, listen, people that don't see themselves as sinner will never ask to be forgiven of their sin. I want to ask you a question. Have you called upon God's mercy? I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm not asking you if you belong to a certain church. I'm asking you, have you been born again? Have you been saved by the Lamb? Have you come to that point in your life where you realize that you was a sinner and that the only thing that could save you was the mercy of God and the grace of God? Don't point to some religious activity. I want you to understand we have to do this the biblical way. And we need God's mercy because we all are guilty. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Amen? And we all need to be saved the same way because we're guilty. I'm trying to get you to understand we're all bad. And we need a full pardon. I mean a full pardon. And listen, we, we don't stand before God to to declare whether we're guilty or not. <laughs> That's already determined. We are guilty, 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 guilty on all accounts. We need a pardon. And isn't it wonderful that the very judge that judges us steps down from behind the bench and takes your place, takes your punishment for you. That'll preach too, right? There's only one way to be saved. And again, I want you to understand, this is why only bad men can be saved. And I hope, you, I hope you understand that today. I don't know what it is that you're trusting in for heaven. If you're not sure, I want to give you a chance to take care of that today. There's no reason to leave here doubting and wondering. The bad man received salvation, the good man did not. I have it on my notes here, you just listen carefully. In Romans chapter 4, I want you to listen to this very carefully. Maybe you haven't agreed with anything that I said, but... Let's listen to what the Bible says. Romans 4, verse 5, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. I mean, I could have just read that and the sermon would have been over, right? It goes on to explain, Even as David, Old Testament, Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Hallelujah. He goes on to say, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. It doesn't mean that we didn't do it. He didn't punish us for it. And we access that through simple faith and trust in Jesus Christ this morning. Boy, I know there's a, several folks in here this morning we give the invitation to be happy to sit down and Take the word of God and, and show you how you can be saved today. And listen, you don't, like we learned in Sunday school today, you don't, you don't got to run home and clean up your life and everything for God to accept you. Amen. <laughs> listen, you need to be saved right now, right this moment. Don't waste another minute. Friend, I, I want you to understand, you cannot work for salvation to be saved. You have to trust Christ completely. You have to come acknowledging you're a sinner. 
come acknowledging who the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is. And, I, I'm, you know, there's some other things here, but for time's sake, I just want you to understand. The first thing you need to understand is that you're a sinner. If you've never been saved, you're a sinner, and you need to be saved by the grace of God. The price has already been paid 2,000 years ago on your behalf. Wouldn't it be wonderful to go to your house today justified? You might have come in here a bad man or a bad woman, just simply meaning not you're not badder than us or worse than us. You just came in here lost today. I want you to understand you can walk out these doors saved. And the only thing that is keeping you from it is you, your belief. Amen. Won't you be saved? God's begging you. He's standing at the door and he's knocking. Amen. Let him in. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Our